Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Talking Tactics. My name's Daniel. It's your boy, Double H. That kid who lives, who breathes, who tries to make a world better place for all women. Because women are the future of our lives. Literally, because they give birth, so... Uh, we do this podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram. Is SoundCloud social media? I don't know. I don't think it is. But no. uh, yeah, Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. That's that's the main one. Shout out to everybody who's on Spotify, listening around the globe. If you're listening on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, shout out to you as well. Leave a five-star review. Subscribe to the podcast. I don't know why you wouldn't, but it's free. If you do want to chip in and, and help us out monetarily, there's a Patreon account that we have. And we record 30 to 40 minutes every week for you guys over there, which I quite enjoy. I've enjoyed our conversations that we've been doing this year. So it's only $3 a month. The links to the to our Patreon account are in the description. So I encourage everybody to check it out and become a member that way and help out your favorite football podcast, hopefully. Yeah, no, no, no. We are definitely appreciative of the support. and um, 100%. Yeah, definitely. On all, all the patrons and everything, we... We, 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 we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Mm. Okay, yeah. um, this is a big week. Massive. Are we so, going to have a North London Super Cup? I hope not. <laughs> not. That would be the worst possible outcome. <laughs> if it is, if it's a North London Super Cup, you know that Arsenal fans would literally like riots. Like, that is one game where the top of us were like, we don't care if we win or lose. The fact that you're facing us in a Super Cup, we know just what the hell went down. Because I was speaking to Devil, that's when he said like the Europa League doesn't even matter. All that matters is that Tottenham don't win the, the Champions League. So for Arsenal fans, even if Arsenal beats Chelsea like 6-7-0, they, 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 they sacrifice Chelsea and Tottenham win the, the Champions League, if they have to meet Tottenham in a Super Cup, that would be a disaster for Arsenal. <laughs> it's a total disaster. So, But for me, that's like, uh, we'll, we'll discuss about Tottenham have no chance of winning that Champions League. I, I have a slight problem with these games being on Wednesday. Like the whole year, you have to play on Thursday. Mm. So why, just for continuity? Like you know, it, when people were talking about Game of Thrones, and oh, there's like a water bottle in the shot, or there's like a Starbucks cup, mm. and it's, it lacks continuity because obviously in these medieval times or whatever, like there's no way that people would have plastic bottles or mm. Starbucks cups. If the whole season Europa League is played on Thursday, why isn't the final on Thursday? Obviously, you guys can't see my face, but it's just like the confused stink face. Like, ugh. no, no, no. But having a fan on Thursday is just rude. That's just like really insulting. To okay, yeah, I get that the teams are already in the Europa League and have to play on Thursday. To prove a final on a Thursday, no, that's just being being harsh and rude. Don't shove it in our faces. 
No, imagine a final on a Thursday. Like this is a massive final, and it's on a freaking Thursday. That's just that, that's, that's just insulting. Man. Come on, bro. That's why I felt. I said, wait, they're really gonna put a final on a Thursday? The whole competition is on Thursday. So the fact that it's on Wednesday, not, not a final. Come on, bro. Not if nah, not a final. Nah, nah. That's that, that's too insulting. Fine. Okay. The final is gonna be on Wednesday, which I disagree with. That's besides the point. Obviously, I don't know. This is big for Arsenal. It's for Chelsea. I don't. I can't even really. Put it into context, it, it would have had a much more meaningful tinge to it were Champions League football on the line. So perhaps if Manchester United got the fourth spot and Chelsea and Arsenal were fifth and sixth, and then this game is for Champions League football next season and all the things that come with that, television money, uh, transfers, all that type of stuff, it would have been big. But the fact that Chelsea really, it's just, it's, you've been in the Europa League all season. It's the culmination of that campaign. That's basically what you're playing for to win a trophy. That way you can say you won something this season. Sorry, he's won nothing. So maybe this could be the monkey off his back. But Arsenal really have, I would say, the pressure because they are able to buy players this summer. They should, they will be able to plan forward with Champions League football. And. If you look at the kind of the Chelsea injury list, <laughs> where if we start with Callum Hudson-Odoi tore his Achilles, and he was the starting right winger. Rudiger, I don't know what he did to his knee. I think he sprained his knee, so that's the starting center back. Um, then Loftus-Cheek, they decide to play that stupid game in Boston. He tears his Achilles, so that's your starting left midfielder. So that's three starters out. And now it seems N'Golo Kante in training has twisted his Chelsea knee. They're holding out hope. They're holding out hope. So there's your starting right midfielder. Um, so four starters down injured. It's basically hazard or nothing, <laughs> considering the center forward situation, William Pedro on the other wing, the midfield is going to be Jorginho, Barkley, Kovacic. Alonso's probably going to start just yeah, because yeah, I feel yeah, like... Yeah, I feel like that's what Sarri's going to do. Yeah, Aspilicueta yeah. as your right back. Mm, cool. Yeah. It's cool, but like it's not like he's gonna give you anything offensively. No, no, no. I was being sarcastic. He's defensively sound, but if you if you're if you've lost all attacking bite, like you would like to have a fullback more of Marcelo run, than yeah. Aspilicueta. I know that left and right, but you guys understand the point. Danny Alves. That way, I I can feel good about a right back to right back comparison. Um, it's just it's bad. And then Arsenal. I think they're missing Bellerin and Ramsey. Maybe you would know better than me. The major one for me is Ramsey. That's that's the major one. Yeah, but as this in Chelsea is... going into a final without either Loftus Cheek or Kante is suicide. It's it's messed up. That's messed yeah, up. It, 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 these are injuries. Bellerin's been out basically what feels like all season. So they've had time to prepare yeah. for playing mm. without him. Like when he comes back, he'll be you know how they use the cliche like a new signing or yeah, yeah, yeah. he's been out that long. Chelsea, these injured like Golo Kante two days ago. So you have to a game in what seventy two hours or wherever it is. You have to create probably a whole new game plan losing your best player other than Hazard. And no, no, no. But I think the 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 issue was if let's say you had either one of them, you could manage the fact that both of. Remember, Loftus Cheek is the best attacking midfielder. Kansi is the highest scoring mid 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 midfielder. So literally, the two best midfielders are out. That's messed up. That's unfair. That makes no sense. So it's it's I, I, you 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 should probably like this as somebody who's like throwing all their chips into the into the hazards pot, I suppose. 
No, 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 no. Trust me. If if somehow Hazard does something for Chelsea to win, nobody can say anything to me. Like I'm bringing us like to our post match, to our post match analysis. Like it is in your best interest that Hazard doesn't score a hat trick and Chelsea win this this game. For for people who get pissed off with what I say, if Hazard does something amazing with all the narrative is too strong, but it's too much. Like one man can't can't can carry the whole thing. So Chelsea need like Juju, you know, or, or something, or they need to pay someone. This is what I suspect is going to happen. I think we've seen this on three occasions in would-be big matches in air course. He's going to play Hazard as a striker and William and Pedro on the wings. Oh, false nine. Mm. It's bleak. The, the the issue about having Hazard like in our false nine is that he sort of negates his strengths. And I, and I suppose that having him as a false nine against like a weaker defense may work because him... As a false nigga's little pull, that was a much stronger defense. So Van Dyke could, you know, pretty much muff that up all day. But having him against a weaker defense maybe sort of can maybe um play into his hands. But then if if they go with a Koscielny Socrates defensive pairing or something, or they go to like a back three, will it really work? For me, I think that you know what, you, you have to just take take the L and just say no much. Poor hazard left, zero in the middle, and for Barkley, don't shoot. Don't dribble. Just get the ball. Give the ball to Giroud. Give the ball to Hazard and, and let them just do things. But don't contribute anything to, to the last dead because you won't be able to. So, Do you know Kovacic hasn't scored a goal since January 2017? Because like in my mind, 2017 isn't that long ago for whatever reason. But January 2017. Jan- January 2017. Bro. That's to January 2018. Over that's one years. year. January 2019, which has happened. That's two years. Over two and years. we're going to be in like the sixth, the sixth month. So he hasn't scored in 30 months? You can't get a goal? One? I mean, to be honest, but he's, he's more of, isn't he much more of like a distinctive central midfielder? But even if he's still that, look at Modric or Tony Cruz. Henderson has goals. There you go. No, you can't get one in two and a half years for national team or club teams. And you play for Real Madrid who have hell of the ball. You play for Chelsea, who have had like sixty-five percent of the ball. Croatia, we can give you a little pass, but still. No, but no, but you know, some guys just aren't goal scorers, man. Like you, they just don't have that. You, you have to have that goal scoring. In these are time. Mikel numbers. <laughs> hey, man, why do you have to bring my bring me not do this, man? Look, man, it is what it is. It is what it is, man. But oh, like, I mean, yes. I mean, that is that is poor, though. That I think Jorginho has one assist this season. I'm, I'm going to have to look this up. How many assists do you think Jorginho has? Two. Let's go to whoscored.com. <laughs> oh, Lord. Why? What's three, it? It was. Three goals, zero assists. What? In, 50, in 58 appearances. That's a lie. Over 4,000 minutes. And this is for club and country. Two goals for Chelsea this season and zero assists, according zero to Zero assists. Zero assists. That, that my friends, is sick. That is fully so, 100%. So we have a we have a midfield that has a creator, would be creator, with that zero assists, like a deep lying playmaker, but playmaker nonetheless, with zero assists, and a number eight, or I guess Kovacic is more of a number six, with zero goals, and then Barkley. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, okay. So I set all that up to say, Arsenal really have no excuse not to win in my opinion. Now, obviously, people might read into that like, oh, you're putting pressure on Arsenal. But really, if you put blind 
if, if you gave me the team sheets and you just gave me kind of the the form and you told me about each player individually and you told me what they were good at and you didn't show me the names, you didn't show me the teams, I would tell you that one one team was clearly in an advantage over the other one. And the team with the advantage in this case just so happens to be Arsenal. Mm. And they have a manager who's won this competition, what, three times already? Yeah, no. <laughs> so um, I, th- I think for me, Arsenal should pretty much try to first five, six minutes to see what Chelsea do. Because if Chelsea comes to attack, then Emery will be like, oh my gosh, we're going to have a flipping field day. <laughs> but if Chelsea are smart and they are a bit more conservative and they want to now welcome Arsenal on, then that's where they get a bit tricky because Arsenal are not very good at breaking teams down. So if Chelsea now sits back and say, no, you come onto us right now, we'll give you the ball. I think that is where they need to now be a lot more craftier because then again, you know, you're not giving spaces to, like I said, or Aubameyang, which is what they'd want to really exploit you. I think Emery is expecting Chelsea to sit back and him now have to say, okay, guys, we now have to really be patient and figure out how to now cut past them and also... Be worried that we don't get too high and get caught out by them trying to pretty much um, catch us on the on the on on the break. Because I think that it would be suicide if Chelsea goes out and attacks. I think for us, it depends on how Chelsea um, sets up and how they approach and how high up they want to play in the first 12-15 minutes. I think Arsenal going to create chances, and I feel like they have the weapons available to put those chances away. Whereas I don't think Chelsea have. The ability to create chances in number, nor do they have the players, I think, other than one, who's capable of putting them away. So those two things don't square. Also, the Chelsea of the past that could have gotten you a nil-nil, I don't think that exists in the same way. You're going to be playing Christensen with Louise. (laughs) If you start Alonso, that's a little bit of a liability. The goalkeeper, as good as he is, distributing isn't that great, I would say, personally, being able to cover his goal in a way that makes me comfortable. Mm. Um, although, like, some of his shot stopping is pretty good, so I don't want to discount him in that way. But it, it, I am a bit – there's a little trepidation, yeah. I would say, is the, is the word with him. So I, I don't think Sarri could count on kind of the same performance that happened in the League Cup where you just hold everything for 120 minutes – and you go to penalties or something like that. I don't know if that can happen. Not against Lacazette or Bomiang v. Louise Alonso. It's just a little bit too much for me. So I'm I'm smelling something like 2-1, 2-0, somewhere around there. But then again, Chelsea will have the best player on the pitch, and there's always that chance that he just decides to have a night and has us scores two goals and Arsenal miss their chances like they did at Stamford Bridge. And... You know, you sneak a 2-1, but I don't... That's, like, best possible scenario. And when does best possible scenario ever happen in a final? Tactically speaking, I just think, you know, as you as you said, like, Chelsea's best bet is hoping that Arsenal don't have a good game. Because if Arsenal have a good game, the game is over. Forget it. If Chelsea have a good game, doesn't necessarily mean that they win. Chelsea can still have a good game and still lose. If Arsenal have a good game... Based on their firepower, a good game for them means that they will score and they will expose Chelsea's defense. Chelsea can still have a very good game and everything, but without, with, but with the lack of firepower and the overlands on Hazard, a good game can just be okay. Nice setups, good approach play, but a lack of a finishing edge. And Arsenal, good game is now man. That, those balls are getting to Lacazette and Aubameyang, and those guys most likely they're, they're going to put that ball in that net. 
you know, or it could it could be just be a case of where they they, they just miss a lot. But mm. I find that very unlikely that in a final they could each have three four chances and they'll they'll miss them. So everything is counting against them. I just think the Loftus cheek Kante thing just tactically messes things up for Chelsea because what would have been very important is. Chelsea having a guy to break from mid midfield and add some meat to that attack. But without that guy from midfield adding something different and interesting to the attack, it means that Aston now know that, all right, if you just take Hazard out of the game, double team him, triple team him, that's fine. Because if even if we double team him or triple team him, who's he going to pass to? Giroud, Pedro, William, what the, what the hell are they going to do? So <laughs> double team him, triple team him, hustle him up, mark him tight, Never leave him in a one-on-one -on -one isolated situation, and we're, we're good. And for Arsenal, get that ball to Aubameyang and Lacazette, specifically to Lacazette. Get that ball to Lacazette in, in, in the hole, and Lacazette can now just try to thread the ball through and use his intelligence to try and create something. And then once that happens, man, I just I don't know how much... If Arsenal keeps sustaining that, that's pressure of Iwobi and the overlap, Kolasinac on the overlap, Lacazette running, facing, giving the ball to Aubameyang, I mean, peeling off. I don't know how much of that sustained attack Chelsea can withstand. Also, I do want to point out one last thing, but just before we talk about the final being in, in Azerbaijan. I hate the word deserve, but I know people use it, so I'll, I will succumb to the pressure in that sense. Chelsea have played, if I could look this up quickly, just so I could try to go off memory. but Deserve doesn't mean anything, by, by the way, the way, so let me just put that there. Chelsea in this competition have played Malmo FF. Okay. Dynamo Kiev, okay. Slavia Prague, and Eintracht Frankfurt. Okay. Arsenal, on the yeah. other hand, have played Bate Borisov, <laughs> Ren, who beat PSG. In the, He's doing so no, no, PSG are losers. Don't use that. Nah, forget that. PSG are, are, are losers. Carry on. Napoli. Carry on. Who, who are losers in the, in the, in the Champions League by the Liverpool? Napoli overrated. Carry on. And Valencia, who beat Barcelona in the Copa del Rey final. And we're crap in the Champions League group. So, so yeah, they, I don't really know, man. See, that is why Arsenal should win this final. Based on what Arsenal did in that circle to Valencia, I'm like, you know what, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they've beaten the second best team in Italy and two domestic cup winners in Valencia and Ren. Whereas Chelsea have played Slavia Prague, Eintracht Frankfurt, and. Frankfurt are all good, man. Come on, man. Okocha's old club. <laughs> And I think uh, Malmo were on vacation. Like, their season ends in, like, December. So they were on their holiday, but then they play. You don't have to bring up these these clues, man. You, you, you didn't have to reveal that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, they, they played a team that was on break. <laughs> like, the season was over or something. I'm forgetting exactly what happened. Somebody who knows uh, Swedish football should probably tell us, but... I've, there was something fishy about the Malmo one where, like, their season ends, but then the team has to stay together to play Europa League. It's weird. But anyway, so you got any final predictions? I I, I think I'm going I'm going 2-1 Arsenal. Um, but that, that one goal is, like, it's just like a courtesy goal because I really don't want to say 2-0. I actually have probably the same scoreline in both of the finals, man, and... and... As much as I don't, I don't want to admit it. I just, I, I am seeing a three-one based on those injuries. I'm looking at a three-one Arsenal. Carl tells us three-one doesn't exist. Like it's the most overused scoreline. So no, no, two-one no. is two-one is the most overused scoreline. Two. I, I feel like I see three-one way more. No way. Two-one. It, it doesn't happen. You see, three-one is like this team is clearly better 
and they're gonna and I would say three nil because that's a resounding victory, but I don't want to disrespect this other team who I think might score one. So then you go, people end up saying three one. Three one doesn't happen that often. Three one doesn't happen that often. I know, I know, it like, doesn't happen like, that often, like, but people the, predict the, it a lot. The, the most the, the most common score lines are two one, one zero. I think those are the most common. So sorry, two zero. 2-1 are the most common score lines. Are you saying the, the most common score lines that happen or the most common score lines that people predict? Most common score lines that happen. I see, I agree. I agree. Like nil 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 nil's probably happened way more than it hasn't. One nil's probably happened way more than it hasn't. Uh, but I think people in their minds predict three one a lot. That when that result doesn't usually happen, which is cross point. But anyway, how do you feel about this final being in Azerbaijan? This is my thing because there's you have to be balanced in the high EVs because I was watching Aston Fan TV yesterday and like Robbie was interviewing troops and troops has been to Baku and I said, Oh no, Baku is great, you know, like it's an international city, everything is really cool, it's very exciting, blah blah. And it's like, you know, no, it's like that no people really enjoy the place. And my thing is this is that this is no disrespect because people think that's my when when I have issues or critiques of it, I'm sort of insulting people in Azerbaijan. It's like, no. My thing about this is this. People who have defended this being in Baku would say, oh, they would never have the Champions League final in Baku. So you'd never have the Champions League final in Baku, but you would have it um, for the Europa League. That doesn't make any sense. And my thing about this is that, so you're saying that people have to pay about a £1,000 in total to see their, their team play. That doesn't make any sense. A point that I was making on my live stream was that... um. People were saying, okay, well, look, well, you know, there are Arsenal fans all around, and there are many Arsenal fans who are, thousands of Arsenal fans who are actually in the Azerbaijan region. Why do you want to sort of shortchange them? No fan is more important than any other fan. I, I hate that there is no fan, oh, this is this fan is really than anyone. No, it's not. But the fact about it is that, what about the fans who live on Holloway Road, that live in Arsenal, that live in North London? What about those fans that live right next to the stadium, that grew up next to Highbury? Next to to this team right now, whatever those fans absurd. Those those are the core fans. They, it doesn't mean that they're they're more realer than the fans who live near Azerbaijan. But these are the core fans, and these core fans have to now pay thousands of pounds to go to find in Baku. But my my the the key point is, you wouldn't do it for a Champions League final. Why why are you doing it for a Europa League final? And you can't use the excuse of like, oh, people didn't expect Arsenal or Chelsea to make the final. No, I mean. Arsenal were in the comp- Arsenal Chelsea were in the comp- competition to, to begin with. So they're gonna just enter the competition and oh, let's hope we know win. By the fact that you knew that any team that drops out in the Champions League has a great chance of, of winning it. And you know that Arsenal, Frankfurt, Chelsea, all of these teams are more likely to win than a Slavia Prague, than a Malmo, or whatsoever. So at the end of the day, whichever team reaches reaches that final will have to travel from Germany from Spain, from Italy, or from England, and have to eat up the expense, which I just think is crazy, because you're not thinking about what the fans have to, have to, to, to do. It's all cool saying, oh my gosh, let's give everyone a chance, let's give Azerbaijan a chance, but what about the people doing the travel? Because I was I was talking to my colleague today, because my colleague said, the um for, there's the Formula One happens in Baku, and he said, oh, well, what about for Formula One fans who go to Baku and chalk up the cost? Then I then said to him, and he agreed, the Formula One fan is far more wealthier than the football fan, you know. So those F1 fans can afford the expense and can afford everything because they're just the F1 fan is just far wealthier because of the kind of person 
and the social status that that sport attracts. But football is is the common sport. A lot of people, a bulk of their earnings is on that season tickets or are on those home games for Arsenal. So we're not put a thousand points on top of that. That's a lot for for the regular for football fan. Okay, your point that UEFA should have known that Chelsea Arsenal have a chance to be in the final, therefore mm. X Y Z. They picked these grounds beforehand. The the 2019 venue choice was selected in September 2017. In 2017, there's no way they could have known Chelsea and Arsenal are going to be in the final. So that point, I don't know if it holds water. I I think the bigger point that you might want to make instead is that any club that could be in this competition, their fans should be able to access the ground with ease. That's a bigger point rather than this season. Like talking about this season is irrelevant. That you could pick the 2022 Europa League final and put it in so somewhere in Europe or North Europe North. adjacent. And if it's not accessible to someone in Spain, in Germany, in Finland, just whoever could make it there, I think that's not fair. So UEFA picking a place like Baku where the modes of transportation to get there are not easy, nor are they cheap. That's the bigger critique. Now, personally, I don't care about the person on Holloway Road. You get to watch your team basically whenever you want. Obviously, season tickets are a thing, but you live at the ground. Like, you could be priced out. I know Arsenal have the most expensive season ticket in Europe, but on League Cup nights, it's easier for you to get a ticket than anyone else in the world, essentially. So... The local fans who complain, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, <laughs> if they want to put a final in Azerbaijan and it's hard for you to get there, then just accept that you have better access to watching League Cup games, Champions League games, Europa League games, FA Cup games. No, nah, no, nah, bro. Sorry, bro. Nah. Premier League games. Nah, then, nah. Then, it, then, it, then 90% of the people who support your club probably. That's unfair. That, that makes no sense. It's a flipping final. Because I was talking to my colleague again today, and we we're, were both saying that when was the last time that Arsenal won a European trophy? The Cup Winners' Cup in the nineties. No, they didn't. They didn't win the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, they did. You have you have Wikipedia and thirty seconds. Arsenal Cup Winners' Cup or nineteen ninety five? What? I remember. I, I I wrote an article about this back in the day. I, I don't remember exactly when, but it was in the nineties sometime. It was like before Winger. But 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 your point. They haven't won a major European trophy. Maybe maybe you could go there. You have a chance to see your club win a major European Cup, which they haven't done, I think maybe in the 70s or 80s. That's a huge deal. So you can't just say, oh, well, you want, you get to watch a team hundreds of times. But the reason why we support and we put money to watch a team all the time is because we want this kind of opportunity to go and see a team win a trophy and have an opportunity for our team to to actually see them in, in real time, in the flesh, win this kind of major European trophy. That's why we go to all, all of these games and spend the money to all of these games. So, yeah, cool. We may have easy access to it, but we still have to pay the money for it. And that money still has to come out of our pocket. So how is this fair to short changes? Because, hey, man, you go to 60 games, but we now get to watch uh, this Arsenal in a flipping final. No, but look, uh, Arsenal, again, life isn't Arsenal fair. To have, hope, have hope, have hope. Life isn't fair. As hard as that is for people like me to sometimes accept, that's just the case. Arsenal were in this competition last season, and the final was in Lyon. Arsenal fans would not be complaining if the final was in Lyon because you can easily access Lyon. But your team just so happened to make it to the final this year. And the way that UEFA did it, 
It's in Baku. It's not in Lyon. It's not in London. It's not in Madrid. It's not in Paris. It's not in some easily accessible place. It just, it's not fair. But life isn't fair sometimes. Well, it's <laughs> like... though. No, 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 but my issue is that it's hypocritical because UEFA would never do this for the Champions League. See, if UEFA did this for the Champions League, okay, all fair, all fair. But the fact of the matter is that you wouldn't do this for the Champions League. They're doing it for the European Championships, by the way. Like the, the 2020 Euros, one of the host cities, because it's going all around Europe, it's not hosted in one particular country, it's hosted in a bunch of them. But one of the cities is Baku. So somebody, mm-hmm. at least two teams, are going to be forced to go play out there. You do you do realize, though, that there are many club fans that care more about their club's well-being than their country. You do realize that. So, okay, do you think it's fair that, I don't know, a World Cup could be hosted in Korea or someplace like that? And that's not, obviously, it's more easily accessible. But it's Mm. not cheap for somebody in Nigeria, say, to fly out and support their team. Like, you have to come from money or... Did you know why that's different? It's the World World Cup. (laughs) Keyword being world. Like, I am always at the forefront of the only reason why I don't like it being in Qatar is it's happening in December. That's the only reason. Apart from that, I'm like, I am like, the the more different the country, the, the better. It should be almost like a new country every single time because it's the World Cup. Right. And it is the biggest global sporting event on the, on the planet. So we should really embrace the globalization of it. But I think that when you now, because my, my, listen, my thing, it's very simple. If you do it for the Europa League, do it for the Champions League. And that is my issue because you've still not answered my issue. Why are, why would UEFA never do this for the Champions League, but they would do it for the Europa League? Because you and I know that they would never put this thing in back for the Champions League. They of, course, of course, of course, of course. That, that makes no fiscal sense. But here, here, here is my idea why I think you might. If you are UEFA and you are the commission, the federation for all countries that play all the European countries that play in your federation, it's in your best interest to make everybody feel included, especially as we know, the, like when FIFA votes come, when UEFA votes come, when, whenever the course of voting happens, it's what did you do for me? So if they want the Azerbaijan vote or whatever the case, the UEFA president can always go like, hey, look, I did you a solid. I put a final here. Now, you're not going to put the Champions League final there because that's just too big of an event. But what you can do is, hey, we have like this deputy kind of sidekick thing that obviously it's not the Champions League final, but it's the next best final that we have. So we'll give you or we'll make it an option to where you can come there. And then obviously I think people vote or however it's done, Baku ends up being a place. I don't want to say it's like underhanded or anything like that, but it's just a case of we can't put the biggest thing here, but we can put something a little bit less there. And will you be happy with that? It's all politics at the end of the day. No, it's politics. No, yeah, no, no. I see, yeah, see, I see. That reasoning yeah, it makes sense. Politics. Everything is politics, which is why Mkhitaryan can't play or doesn't <laughs> feel it like it's safe to play. Although I suspect if he was a better player, he would be playing. <laughs> which, which one? No, no, you can laugh, but but, but that is the cold hard truth. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man. Life isn't fair. Did it, by the way, people ask us about NBA all the time. Did you know that Ennis Cantor, the center for the Portland Trailblazers? Oh yeah, I had. Yeah, yeah. Be, because. Yeah. Um, he has beef with President Erdogan in, in Turkey. Mm. He doesn't feel like it's safe to leave the United States. So if the final, if the NBA finals, which they are now, um, if it would have been Portland against Toronto, I think he was thinking that he wouldn't play the games in Toronto because 
he doesn't want to leave the United States and he felt like maybe he could be kidnapped or taken and arrested by the Turkish what whatever assassinated whatever like the worst case scenario so mm-hmm. if that was if that's what Cantor goes through I could imagine Mkhitaryan feeling something similar like yo our, our countries don't get along I'm not trying to go here and perhaps end up in a situation where something's misconstrued or now I'm a pawn oh, wait, wait, in some wait, wait, political movement you know, you know someone asked us a question I guess we, we might be able to get into this mm-hmm. um What's the best football match you have seen in person? I got to see AC Milan v Barcelona in a friendly in 2003 uh, from AJ Cool 16. So what's the best match you've watched live? Probably the um, Italy-Nigeria match, like friendly, but, but, but before the, I think that's the year before the 2014 World Cup. That was a good match. The best two teams I've watched in person? Probably Chelsea v PSG. Oh, when was in, that? In 2015. Oh, so you actually went to the stadium and I saw the game. I was covering the game for my for my job. Hey, it was a friendly match though. It was for the international <laughs> champions cup. Yeah, I got to see Victor Moses scored. Courtois made a penalty. It was pretty good. I think Ibrahimovic scored. This was 2015. I got to like see Jose Mourinho with my own eyes in like the press yeah. in like the press room. I wanted to ask him a question, but just didn't. <laughs> I kind of wanted to talk to him, but I was kind of scared at the same time, you know, because uh, it's like my hero or like one of my heroes. I was just like, should yeah, I ask him a question yeah. or should I be well, quiet? No, be crazy, man, if I saw um, Uncle, Uncle Mu in, in, in the real man. Yeah, he, he, he's intimidating. Let me put it that way. It's, and people were asking him questions. They were calling the game soccer. I was just like, uh, he... <laughs> uh, I was like, I prefer not to speak, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I prefer not to speak, but yeah, it was it was a good time. So that's probably the, those are the best two teams I've seen in person. Do you give Tottenham any hope? Double H? Nope. nope. Slides hope, but I just think that Harry Kane's back. Yeah, means, means nothing. I mean, <laughs> where where was he in the quarters or the or the semis? That that, that means nothing to me. Player you're most intrigued about in this game? I'm gonna pick one from each, each side. Okay. Henderson and Sissoko. Because I believe that if either of them have a great game, it's going to go a long way into their team winning. So I think Henderson and Sissoko are two very important players for either side. I'm intrigued by Lloris in this game. If he has another howler in another final, <laughs> I'm building a wing for him in the academy, man. Because I, I'm still not quite over what happened in the last Champions League final. Like... So he he didn't see Benzema, or he saw him and thought that he could get it around him. That I I said it's in the pub when I was watching. That is the worst goalkeeper I've ever seen in my life. How and then you, the Bale second shot something. No no no. The the Bale see, the Bale one is a typical howler. That's first howler. How do you throw the ball to a dude that's like two yards away from me? I, I, I didn't even want to say him his name. That's why I went. Like, I could obviously see, see how that could be confused. But I, I didn't want to say the name. And I won't say the name. I'm not over that. So, just like, Lloris has that kind of, did he just do that in him? Mm. So, I'm curious. Like, obviously, he's and, 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 and Also, let's, let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. Let's do. I would argue that in the 2016 Euro final, he did make a mistake because he should he should have saved that shot from Eddie. And we already know what he did um, in the World Cup final. That's the player I'm going to be watching with kind of a keen eye. Like, hmm, what are you about to do? <laughs> like every pass, 
um, every handling, like will he handle it outside the box and get a red card? Just like you know, just little things. I'll be watching. All right, one word: better manager, Klopp or Poch? Poch. Like that's actually the, the the key word: manager. Who is who manages situations better? Pochettino. It doesn't change anything for me because my thing is that even if he's the better manager, basically Klopp has a better team. And Poch isn't that way. So he's just he's just a bit better than Klopp. Not huge, but just a bit better. But I think Liverpool are quite a way better than Tottenham. Let's just look at how well they've, they've done in the league compared to Tottenham. And I think the whole thing of like Klopp's record in finals, I'm like, eh. But like, look at the, the teams that he's faced in the final. Most of them have been Bayern Munich. And then another one was Real Madrid. Teams that were far more superior to his team. So See, I would say Klopp. But... He's the better manager. He's got the better team, though. How does that make him the better manager if he's got the better players, the better attackers, the the best defender? How does that make him the better manager? You see, this is my thing with you and your argument sometimes. Are you saying if a manager has a really good team that he can't be great? Oh, no, no, no. He can be. But I think that that is almost a slight hindrance because, for me, if we're now comparing the two, I think Klopp is one of the best managers in the world. But if we're comparing the two based on how much management they have to do, just by default, Pochettino has to think a lot more and do a lot more coaching because he has less to deal with. Hence why what he had to do against City and Ajax, he had to work with a lot more because he was first of missing Harry Kane and you've just got players who just are not on the same skill level technically as the teams you're playing. So you've got a lot more thinking to do because you're dealing with more lim- limitations that your players have. Whereas Klopp, obviously Klopp has a lot to do, but Klopp, you <laughs> You know, you're dealing with a guy who is a very professional goal scorer in Salah, a very good player in a Mane, one of the best defenders in the world in a Van Van Dijk, two of the best fullbacks in Europe in Alan. So you're dealing with guys who just by themselves individually are amazing. So of course, you've got to do a bit of coaching just to refine them, but you've already dealing with the guys who are obviously of, on, of a high, high level already. You underplayed that. You underplayed that way too much. They've bought, it's not like they've gone and got Guys from Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern mm. Munich. They bought a guy from Roma, a guy from Southampton, another one from Southampton, someone from Hoffenheim. Mm. They bought a, a Robertson was not Wolves, but uh, what's the other one? The other one that wears orange. <sighs> Holland, Netherlands. Nah, man. Where's Hull? Hull, Hull. That's the one that wears orange. Um, I think he's from Hull. Alexander Arnold's from the academy. You're playing Matip, who they got in a free. Like it's not like he's like the the part where you said, yeah, he's had to kind of coast them and refine them a bit. Like I think he's coast and refined them a lot. Who did who did who did Pochettino buy this summer or in January? Tell me. Nobody, but that's not his fault, obviously. No, 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 no. But that's then adds the aggregate of like, what's look at what he's not had the luxury of trying to buy anybody. No, obviously, one hundred percent. You having to buy these players who were not already ready made. Hence why. When he had Lewandowski, all these boys, and he basically he basically made Lewandowski go to Hummels, the players that, that they were. So that's something that's hugely for Klopp that he's really been able to take Salah, um, take Mane, all these guys to the very next levels. That obviously goes to his coaching. But you see, that's another thing. You said who's the better manager? Who's who's the better? I think Klopp is the better coach, but I think Pochettino is the better manager, and those are two different things. Right. I think Klopp is is a better coach. We can leave it there. We can leave it there. We yeah. don't have to go too deep. Yeah. Um, so, any final prediction? I suspect you're going to say Liverpool, but do you have like a scoreline? 3-1 Liverpool, I believe. I'm saying 2-0 Liverpool. 2-0, I, th- I think that could be very true because, you know, mm-hmm. Harry Kane, he may not start when he come off the bench. 
Liverpool are very good defensively. Liverpool are much better defensively than Ajax and Man City. Yeah. 2-0 two, two, is, is not too shocking when you take it all into account. Tactically. Talking tactics. Tactically. <laughs> so Barcelona really lost that Copa del Rey, huh? Bro, um, <laughs> they're reeling, man. And, and apparently Val Valverde is a, is a, a loser. That's, that's the one. Can I just say shout out Mitchie one time? What did he do? He he's gonna get a medal for that. He's gonna oh, get a medal. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> ah, like that, that. All right. Even even me, admittedly, like I'm a, I'm a Mitchie fan, right? That was one of the worst loan spells this season. Partly because the team was trash, and he came off the World Cup. But still, it just it just wasn't a mix, or a good mix. Um, but you, it, Spain only have one cup competition, and it lasts basically the whole season. And Michi played, I think, three games in the Copa del Rey for Valencia. And they somehow conspired to beat Barcelona. And he's, I think, when you go on Wikipedia and you look at his honors, it's going to be there. So shout out to Michi one time for, like, you know, stealing a medal, <laughs> essentially. Um, but yeah, you were going to talk about Valverde, unless you rock. Bro, man, I th- they want to get him out of there because my thing about it is that when do players have to um, take responsibility. It always seems to be the manager's fault. Oh my gosh, Kevin Gamera actually scored. The guy's a class A brick. Um, it always seems to be the manager that, that, that takes the fault. And I think that, of course, Valverde has to be shoulder some of the blame. But Coutinho has been trashed this season. The Cannibal has been trashed this season. They've just not been able to recruit proper players. And the players have underperformed. PK has underperformed in key key games, you know. Um, so I just think that we may be seeing really the beginning of the end of this era that began in 2009. Because Xavi left, Iniesta left. I think Busquets, you're now seeing his age come through. You're now seeing PK's age come through. So I think it may be the end of the line for PK, for Sergio Busquets. Um, Real Madrid are going to completely revamp. So I think... Instead of blaming Valverde, maybe it's a case of like, oh, no, no, this team needs a serious revamp. And maybe uh, Messi needs to loosen up. Um, you, you can't have it completely your way. Because 2009, you had Henri and Eto. 2011, you, have, you had that David Villa and the last time that Pedro was relevant to the, to the world. 2015, you had a peak Neymar and a peak Cannibal. So you never really were successful in Europe or with the treble, purely on yourself. This one says you really thought by yourself, solo, you were going to do the treble because you grabbed the mic? Come on, bro. So. I don't know, pause, but is it fair to call Suarez cannibal if he hasn't bitten anyone since 14? Nah, nah, he's... I mean, no, I mean no, based on what he did to Evra and the fact that you did bite people twice, three times, that 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 no no sorry like three you, times you know <laughs> you can't you you can't try to eat someone three times ah, you and, know, in my mind i was matter. like he bit twice but i forgot the event of each one yeah because my mind got i was like okay so he bit someone at ajax and then he bit Chiellini in the world cup that's why i came with 14 but he did bite ivanovich i ivanovich, forgot about yeah. that i don't know how but yeah three, three times, times. <laughs> okay yeah you know what credit to him he hasn't bitten anyone in five years so maybe he learned his lesson 
Maybe you know when he bit Kalini and then he grabbed his te- his teeth. Yeah, I mean, give me a break, bro. Maybe, maybe, really? maybe he maybe he actually hurt his teeth and like he's just like I don't want to bite anyone because I got pain. Nah, man, the, the, the guy's a cannibal, man. It's <laughs> just like you know he hasn't been anyone in a while, so maybe that's a bit harsh. But not three times. I get it. Um, how do how do we how do we talk about Barcelona? I I think they have tried in some ways to go throughout the whole rebuilding process. Like they bought Arthur, they bought Dembele, they bought Coutinho. It's just the end of an era is closed. You know what I mean? Like hmm. you're just basically holding on to Messi. Like he's been what's gotten them through. Especially when you consider their main competition seems to only want to win the Champions League. So once they hit a little bit of adversity in La Liga, it seems as okay. All of our eggs go into the Champions League basket, which has happened for like basically five out of the last six seasons. Hmm. What competition are they really facing? Atletico. Kind of sort of Madrid when they feel like it, but not really. So maybe Messi is enough to carry you in that sense, but you can't do that forever. He's, what, 31 now? I think we saw one of the greatest eras of any team ever. Mm. If if you take Barcelona, even with Rijkaard, if you take kind of those teams like from Ronaldinho up till now, those teams were all-time great. It's been like a decade-plus run. Maybe it's time for something new in that sense, you know? Dembele's been injured a lot. I just think Coutinho, I don't know what to say about Coutinho. I mean, obviously you're going to call him Chutinho and he's a brick and he hasn't been great and all this and all that. What is his purpose in this Barcelona team? Is is he meant to play make? Is he meant to score goals? Like, what is his what is his function? No, I, I think, because you know, basically, look, the Coutinho thing is, and I think people on Twitter have sort of been, like, attacking me by saying, oh, why do you have a Coutinho agenda and everything and so forth? Look, when Barcelona paid 150 for this dude, I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> Liverpool are laughing like are Barcelona really going to pay 150 for Coutinho like he's he's good he's nowhere near 150 even in this inflated value he's nowhere near that um, valuation and my thing about Coutinho is that he is limited in what he can do he can only work in a certain system hence why he played so well in the Rogers system at Liverpool and he, he played so well for Brazil at, at the World Cup but in this Messi centric system that's very particular I was like this isn't going to be a good fit I think for Coutinho, whether you want to put him in, because trust me, I've watched the games. People who come at me haven't watched the games. I've watched the games. Thank you to 11, 11 Sports. He's played it in midfield. He's played the number 10. He's played out wide. He's just not been effective. He's been losing the ball, making bad passes, not offering anything ineffectively. He may have one really good game, one interesting game, but he's just not been good. And you've even seen his frustration and his body language every time he gets sold up because he knows that man is just not working out. It is a bad fit, but you have to that he's been crap. Hence why I've I've got to put him in the brick academy. He's I think he's a class C brick or something, class B brick. You have to because you've played too badly to not be inducted. But at the same time, put induction to one side, it's just, it's just a, a a bad fit, you know. And this is what I'm saying. Work. It seems as if there's an end of an era or a tra- a bigger transition period needed mm. because Messi will Messi be Messi. Gonna go, Messi is going to retire. At that point, what's going to happen? Here's the thing, and I can maybe relate this to to basketball in a way. There are some players who are just so athletic to where when they slow down, they're obviously not as athletic, but the height of athleticism that they have, it'll carry them into older age. So I look at someone like Vince Carter, for example. Like When he was 20 years old, he was the best athlete in basketball, perhaps one of the greatest ever seen. So now that he's 40 years old, obviously he's slowed down. But where he started from was so insane I, yeah. that now that he's 40, 
he can still hang around. I see Messi the same way in some ways, not with the athleticism, but just the technique. Where he started from, just his overall game was so great that even when he slows down, he's not going to be as good, but he'll be good enough to manage or he'll be, you know, he'll manage to be good enough. Maybe that's a better way to put it. So Messi's going to be Messi. Obviously not the same as he was, you know, back when he was wearing different shirt numbers and dribbling through Getafe and all that kind of stuff, right? But he's going to be him. Suarez didn't start from that same place. So when he declines, he's going to fall off a cliff. And I think we're starting to see that. As you kind of alluded to back in the past, they had Henri, they had Eto, they had Villa, they had, you know, the names just roll off, Pedro, et cetera, et cetera. This transitional period, the players that they're putting around Messi aren't at that same level. So you have Dembele, who could be one of those players in three, four years, provided he gets his attitude right and he stays fit. But those things don't seem to be the case now. You have Coutinho, who that's why I asked, what is his function? What is his purpose? It doesn't, I haven't watched enough of Barcelona to really, and that's why I'm more asking. I haven't really watched enough of him, but, but from the games that I have seen of him, it seems like he's ineffective and then he comes off after 60 minutes. Obviously, I can't explain my face right now, but it's just like an inquisitive, I don't understand what you're doing here. Maybe that could go down to the manager. Oh, no, no, no. But, but, okay, okay. For example, you know, like if, Barcelona are in a breakaway. You know, Messi wants the ball in a certain space, mm-hmm. or Alba has made a certain run, or Suarez has made a certain run, and Coutinho will see most. See, what will happen? This was the pattern. He would end up misplacing the passes, or he wouldn't make the pass right, or he would not time the the pass too well. And once he now has a string of times that he's not originally passed the ball too well. He'll now get frustrated and now say, nah, I need to really do something positive. So that one now he now reverts back to now dribbling, hogging the ball because he wants to now try and do something. Mm. So he'll revert to hogging the ball, dribbling, and now taking shots because he wants to do something positive. And by his himself forcing himself to into something positive, he'll just keep on losing the ball. Everyone gets frustrated, but basically, look, you're an effective come off. So what I'm thinking is happening is there is a level of pressure because look, he's Brazilian. You've seen Romario, Ronaldinho. Um, Rivaldo all come through, and as a Brazilian playing for Barcelona is a big deal, a much bigger deal, deal than Real Madrid. Madrid. What's it called? Ronaldo as well in the nineties. So I think there is. A lot of... <laughs> you know, what's the one? It was just like I could feel your brain think Ronaldo, and it was like boom, like oh Ronaldo <laughs> in the nineties. <90s." laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, bloody dude. Um, so I think for Coutinho, I think what what I think you think there's a lot of pressure. And he's putting a lot of pressure on himself because this is such a big move for him. Hmm. And I think that's transfer fee, the fanfare and everything of him coming was a huge deal. So I think he's he's feeling the pressure. Like Liverpool, he didn't feel that pressure. It's probably Liverpool. Did, did you say Neymar? Oh, Ronaldo. sorry, yeah, Neymar. You know, I always forget Neymar because, see, Neymar didn't... Because, so, you know, do you know why I always forget Neymar? When it was Rivaldo, he was the main star. Romario was the main star. Ronaldo okay, was the main yeah. star. Whenever you see Neymar, he's always like the, the appendage to Messi. And he's the Robin. He's the Robin to the Yeah, man. yeah, he was the Robin to, to the thing. He's Batman. So I think for Coutinho, there is that pressure. And I think that pressure may be playing to his mind of where he's not really feeling as free as he was at Liverpool. Because at Liverpool, he was the guy. People loved him. So he couldn't make mistakes. He could try things. He couldn't make space passes. And it was fine because, look, you're one of our best players. But as Barcelona, no, you're not one of our best players. You don't have to prove yourself. Mm. You know, and you don't have to change your game now. So psychologically, mentally, it's a whole different thing that you have to approach. And not many people can deal with that added level of pressure. But then you now look at the the, the, the Us, 
who has done very well this season and made some very, very important plays. Again, he's not been amazing. He's had some pretty iffy games. But ask any passer fan, Dembele has been far better than Coutinho this season. Let's, let's stay on Coutinho. Do you think it's a case of him? This is a better question. Is it a matter of capability or execution? Um, I would say it is more, um, it's slightly more capability. See, now that's a problem. I could argue that it's execution because he, like, he is a very good player. But I have never, even when he was through at Liverpool and everything, I've never looked at Coutinho and be like, nah, that guy is really that player. Hence why when Barcelona bought him, I was like, this makes no sense. This isn't the dude that Barcelona need. But when Barcelona bought Dembele, because I saw Dembele at Dortmund, I was like, oh my God, this guy at Barcelona, this guy could really change how Barcelona play. Mm. But when he bought Coutinho, I was like, this just doesn't seem to... Like, Coutinho just fits what Liverpool were about. Coutinho fits what Barcelona were about. So for Coutinho, like, I was like... Because that's why you could argue that it's execution, but maybe it's also capability, because if you have a high capability, you can adapt, and you can just bring out your bag of tricks or ab- ab- abilities whenever you're in a fix. So that's why for Dembele, every time he had maybe a sticky game, you know, like, boom, I'm, I'm, I'm ambidextrous. I can just will my way past this dude and just do something interesting, which is what you should sometimes do. Yo, you want to talk about the championship playoff? Did yeah, you watch? Well, well, Villa, back, I mean, congrats. I mean, I, I believe that when they got relegated, they were the club who had spent the longest without ever getting relegated from the top flight. Mm. So that was a big deal when they got relegated. So uh, Yeah, yeah, it's it's been, I don't want to say it's weird, because I don't know. I guess when, whenever the Premier League season comes, you just kind of accept that season as this is what it is. These are the teams. Mm. I don't really think too much about, oh, the teams in the championship or wherever, like Sunderland or some club like that that's not in that never really comes into my mind. But now that Villa are back, it does feel like, oh, okay, that's good. Like, that's a good addition. Like that going to, um, you know, Villa Park and places mm. like that, that feels Premier League-ish. Familiar, familiar. Yeah. You could just tell. Like, Derby are good, but I don't know if they're ready. Because I was asking myself, who's most likely to be relegated from these two teams? And my answer was Derby. So, mm. <laughs> like, I, I think Villa are probably in a better position, especially if they can keep Tammy Abraham, who scored loads of goals for them this season. Wait, so, so, is he still on loan from Chelsea? or? Yeah, he's on loan. So, I'm thinking maybe Chelsea could loan him to them again. Mm. Um and kind of get that Premier League experience. Yeah, improve. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. perhaps with the transfer ban and Chelsea not being able to acquire players, Higuain probably not going to be bought. Only Giroud <laughs> really on the books with Michi kinda. Maybe he'd be thinking, "This is my chance." If they can't buy a striker, Wait, so where, where is Batshuayi now? Is Batshuayi back at Chelsea or where, where is he now? I think he's in Japan <laughs> on, on vacation. Like this <laughs> is. That's my guy, though. That's my guy. Like, that's why he plays football on the side. I think. I think he's. I think he's more like. Let me just enjoy this money that these people are. Yeah, giving yeah, me. yeah, yeah. You know, which, which look, man. I have no qualms with that, man. You know, I was, I was talking with somebody earlier today, and I was like, Batshuayi is like a less talented Balotelli. In three, four years, he'll be in France, score fifteen goals a season, and then turn into like some social media guy. Kind of, you know how Patrice Everett does. I love this game, and he's all stacked. I love this game, yeah. Yeah, that's that's gonna be better. Why? Maybe like a more French version, but as 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 gonna be him. I don't think he's ever gonna make it at like a a top club 
again. But uh, I don't know if that's what he wants. Uh, but anyway, the point is, maybe Tammy sees that and thinks, I could go to Villa and play a season in the Premier League, but there's no guarantee that we stay up. So I could maybe go to Chelsea and try to work that out. If you're a lone player, this is like your best chance. A transfer ban. Put me in the squad. Let me see if I can't get a contract extension and a raise at Chelsea. So there's that. Speaking of money, I guess we could get into Newcastle this way. Hey, cha-ching. Money, money, money. <laughs> so apparently the people money. who are trying to buy Newcastle are the cousins of the Man City owner. Wow. Yeah, so the Man City owners, I think this is the United Arab Emirates, the guy who owns them, the sheikh who owns them, his cousin is now trying to get into the Premier League. And they're going to buy Newcastle. This is the thought. They could buy Newcastle. Sheikh Khalid, a relative of Man City owner Sheikh Bonsour, failed with a $2 billion takeover of Liverpool last year. He, This guy tried to buy Liverpool last year. Okay. Damn. It has been reported the deal for Newcastle is worth £350 million. Pounds. Actually, you know what? I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Benitez, man. So Benitez has, has some cheddar finally. It's not official yet, because you know this Ashley guy. He seems quite shady. So no, he likes, perhaps he, likes, he, he loves money. Bro. He loves. Yeah, money. I'm thinking like, oh, money. they put three fifty on the table. Let me hold on and let me try to get four hundred or whatever the case. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's going to hold it for me four hundred, four fifty, and then boom. Because it says he bought Newcastle for one hundred and thirty-five million in '07. And he's been relegated twice. So he's making 200 million. Like, just sell, man. Like, you know, that's a that's a that's a good piece. <laughs> that's good. It was 2007, 10, 12 years. In 12 years, you paid 200 million pounds, you know. And then maybe you could buy another team and just kind of do it again. You want you want to do some questions? Let's ride, man. Let's ride, baby. What and who do you blame? For the inflated market at this current time from Bob. Neymar, isn't it? Neymar, PSG. Like, that's what changed everything. As you said, because I think, wasn't it you that made the point that that was the domino effect? You see, my, my point was the domino effect starts with Neymar and only affects transfers from the Neymar tree. So mm. my idea is... Neymar was $222 million. So then that spawned Coutinho for 140 Dembele for 100 Van Dyke for 75 mm. um, and all of those kind of subsequent transfers that happened off of that. And my theory was I didn't think we would start seeing huge 220 million euro transfers like that. I do think it has affected the secondary market. So what I mean by that is the prices that were paid for Coutinho, Dembele, Van Dijk, those 120s, the 150s, the 75, 80s, I do think we're going to see more of those, which was in line with the Paul Pogba transfer from Juventus to Manchester United, where he was 89 million. I think the 222 is just insanity. Um, And Credit to Liverpool for pulling off what they did for Coutinho. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's the greatest finesse in football history. Like, I mean, yeah, but like they, 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 they knew clearly how much wrong. money that uh, PSG gave. So it's like, how much of this can we get? And you want this player super bad. So um, credit to them. But I've, I've, I, didn't, I, I always thought 
we're not going to see a transfer like that, those 200 million euros frequently, if ever. I don't know if there's ever going to be a situation where maybe Mbappe, That's but even still. I was just about to say. But yeah, but even still, I don't, it's only going to be for those club top, top, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. top guys. Because as we see, I think Dortmund just bought two players for the, for the price of Pulisic. Yeah. And so they bought Julian Brandt, hell of a player. Torgan Hazard, really good player, for I think under 30 million euros each. So perhaps may, maybe you could argue the Bundesliga, the clubs have their own gentlemen's agreements, and it's a bit different. Whenever the Premier League's involved, they try to get a little tax of the television revenue. So Dortmund's not going to do the same business that they would do with Chelsea as they would with Gladbach. Obviously, that you have to factor that in as well. But I don't think the transfer market is going to be too, too, too wild. But if you want to ask why those transfers, the Neymar transfer, the Dembele, Van Dijk, um, who am I missing? Coutinho. That's that's PSG. That's state funded. We'll give you the money to pay your buyout. Sign with us for X amount and however many hotels we can want to give you. Cash. But no, but but I do I. <laughs> I do feel that we are going to get that 300 mil. And I th- and I, I can't think of another player but Mbappe. Like, if it's going to happen, it will be Mbappe that breaks the cash again. I don't you think see, there's I any think, other player. I think would. Mbappe needs... I think he, Mbappe needs, like, a bigger brand. Because right now, it feels like the PSG brand is bigger than Mbappe. And if I'm paying 300 million, I would feel like I would want a player who's, like, bigger than PSG. Hmm. And I don't know if Mbappe is bigger than PSG. I see. You see, Neymar is bigger than PSG. That yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like Neymar yeah. is a bigger brand than PSG. Messi is mm. a bigger brand than PSG. Ronaldo's a bigger brand than PSG. I don't know if Mbappe is there, but obviously we don't live in France, so maybe he is like in commercials and adverts and things like that. Um, but I feel like he needs to make his brand bigger before I spend 300 mil. Yeah. Okay. So okay. How about this? How much is Mbappe worth? Is this in a vacuum or based on what has on, on, on what this market is about? So those are two different things because those are two different numbers. In a vacuum or based on the market? I'm curious what you think the difference is. <laughs> if 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 it is based on the market, I'm taking into account Coutinho went for 150. Mm-hmm. I'm taking into account that Neymar went for 200. And I don't believe that Coutinho is worth 150, but based on the market, then Mbappe has to be like 250, 270, 280. If mm-hmm. we're not going to put it in a vacuum, mm-hmm. 170, 180. If we're going to put it in a in a vacuum. I, I feel like your vacuum number is closer to the realistic number. But those are different numbers because if it's based on today's market, 170 makes no sense because Coutinho went for 150. And that's, and that's market value still affects these clubs in that column, but still that market value is still that market value still. So based on the market value and how the market is, you have to do 250 then because he's worth twice as much as that dude called Schrottinio. But yeah, in but a vacuum, okay. real price, uh, I mean, come on, 170, 180. The only club that would do this is PSG, maybe Man City, but I don't think Man City would risk pissing off UEFA financial fair play anymore. So the only club that's willing to do insane transfer deals like this are PSG, and Mbappe already plays for PSG because he was bought for I think one twenty from Monaco, mm. maybe one sixty. 
Like he was already bought for like crazy price. We just forget because he was loaned and it didn't have like that big fanfare. But the only club that's willing to pay those kinds of prices, I think, is PSG. I think Barcelona, like, uh, I'd be scared if I was them to pay that much money after what happened with Coutinho. <laughs> Real Madrid's hard. They could do it easily. But w- just would they? I don't know. Any other questions that we got here? Um, t- NBA Finals, Kawhi, more NBA. Three NBA questions, guys. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> football podcast. Why is white bread somewhat softer, fresher, and breader than brown bread? Brown bread. Tongue twister. Is it? Is white bread better than brown bread? No, brown bread is better than white bread, man. And it's better, it's tastier, and it's healthier. I think all bread is not healthy. No, we don't know. Brown bread is healthy. What the hell? Brown bread is healthy. Of course it's healthy. I don't think it's healthy. I think, here's, this is like nerd. I don't even know why I know this. As someone who's like not in shape. But I think like white White bread turns into sugar quicker than brown bread, but brown mm. bread does turn into sugar eventually. And sugar is apparently a bad thing. So this made me think, like, when you were a kid, did you, like, get the crusts cut off your sandwich? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why, why are kids like, I like the crust now, but, like, when I was a kid, I was like, I don't like the crust. Like, yeah, 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 <laughs> No, 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 yeah, no, 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 the, the crusts are really good now. But yeah, like, what, what, what was wrong? With, was it a different crust when we were kids? And like they've improved the crust? No, or I just has it always been the same reason, crust? No, and kids just are just weird. Kids. We didn't like the crust for some reason. <laughs> but was, Yo, I remember when I, when I was a kid, like even pizza crust, I was like, oh, I'm not on it. Like I want the cheese and the pepperoni or whatever the topper was. Yeah, but that's the crust, cool. yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, like back in my pepperoni tuna days, actually, no, back in my tuna days, I just ate the cheese and stuff, but I always left the crusts and everything. Because I think this was before cheesy crusts, like cheesy filled crusts. You put tuna on pizza, bro. Tuna pizza was pizza. <laughs> pizza. Tuna pizza, guys. Trust me, anybody. Shut up, man. Those who've ate tuna pizza, you know what's going down. Oh man. Okay. Another money question from B N. I-S-E-M-T. His name is Thought. Okay. We saw Serie A as the richest league in the early 90s and mid-2000s, but her political downfall has been owners, political involvement, and the economic crisis. I'm curious when or what do you think the Premier League's moment of the cup is too full? I think I understand your point here. Uh, Will it be Brexit or the Super League? So basically he's saying Serie A in the early 90s and mid-2000s it, it was the richest league, and mm. then they hit hardship because of you know politics and owners and things like that. Mm. Now the Premier League is the richest league in the world. So what do we think, or when do we think that dominance will subside? And then he suggests perhaps the Super League or Brexit being things to kind of take the Premier League out. Brexit um, is a possibility, I think. I think Brexit is going to... I don't know how much of an effect it will have, but I think it will have some effect. Whenever England decides who to do it, I think I think it could have a major effect. Like, uh, I mean, weren't these people thinking about this when they voted Brexit? And weren't they thinking that? Do you know how hard it would be for your clubs to buy these players? Bloody <laughs> nationalistic. Prick. Maybe it goes to show that as much as people think they care about football, they don't care about it as much as they say they do, or they think they do. Is football really going to be in your top five things of your politics when you think about? 
education or the healthcare system, prison reform, like once you go from that list, when do you get to football teams? Like there's a lot of other stuff to consider the military, you know, there's a lot of other things. Pretty high for some people, bro. I'll tell you that right now. So we do, we have three NBA questions here, but we're going to roll that into our talking tactics extra. So if you're into NBA, hang around. Yeah. Pale. <laughs> yeah, so, so we'll get to your three NBA questions and talk about whatever else then. This has been Talking Tactics. We thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you guys enjoy the finals. I'm sure we will. You going to do anything special for the for the finals, Double H? You going to be watching them live or? Yeah, yeah, what's cool? I'm, I'm doing a live shebang, man. Cool. This has been Talking Tactics Podcast. We do this every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at Talking Tactics, Facebook, Talking Tactics 352, Instagram, at Talking Tactics. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're listening on an Apple device, subscribe. It's free. If you're on SoundCloud, give us a follow over there as well. Really appreciate it. I think that's it. I'm at Bro. Daniel to look. Have hope. Where can people get you? And find your boy at Half Hope Hot or just go to the freaking website, halfhopehot.com. All my socials are there. It is really hot in this room. Talking Texas podcast. Sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always footballer. Indeed. Thanks for listening. Peace, peace. Peace out. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.